that's a Paschal fire. Yeah. Right. Um, not, not a pagan fire. That's right. This sounds, this, sounds very, this sounds very Christian. <laughs> it's totally Christian. And then we light the And then we invoke the spirit of our ancestors. Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm here today with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Koch of Christ Church Anglican in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. How are you guys doing today? Excellent. Yeah, great, Nick. Thanks. So how many of your Holy Week sermons do you already have written? <laughs> I have all, I have all of the sermons for the week assigned to my assistants. So. Oh wow, that's, that's nice. <laughs> Until speaking, of, right. speaking of assistants, Shady, <laughs> you're the assistant among us. Are you? I'm actually preaching. I'm actually okay. preaching Good Friday and Easter. Yeah, it's a big honor. I'm yeah, appreciative. Yeah. I'm just going to read uh, John Chrysostom's Easter. Sure, of course you there, are. So. Yeah. That's all I am. No, but it has been. It's been a couple of years now since I um, was able to to ascend to the heights of power <laughs> and, and leave you, I leave you Nick at the, uh, Easter two. Although you're preaching Easter, Easter one now, uh, at your church. Yeah. At my church. Still don't get, <laughs> still don't get Thomas right. off. I've still assigned you. I've still got to assign right. you Easter one. There we go. <laughs> I will say it's been super weird this week to write. I've been probably to my detriment writing good Friday and Easter at the same time. And as you might imagine, there's some overlap there. <laughs> and I keep thinking that I'm repeating myself and realizing that I wrote something in the other sermon. And I just need to like say, today is going to be a good Friday sermon prep day. Then the next day is going to be Easter and not try to do them at the same time. Cause it's kind of driving me crazy. I will say it's hard. It's, uh, okay. So 20 years in, I, I can't remember how many, how many sermons I preached on Luke's resurrection story. Yeah. Well, no more than 20. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I've been John and Matthew and Mark, but I mean, sure. but, but I mean, you've had, I mean, there's lots of things I've already said. So like, how do you say, finding something, a new well, way you bring to bring in Enoch same, now. Huh? Oh, you just bring in Enoch. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. You know. When I hear you, though, see, but I think, Nick, to your problem, like I sort of frame it as a like a like a one long sermon. Like yeah. I, I when I get to preach beginning with Palm Sunday, like I invite people into, you know, like a like a saga for yeah, a seven yeah. day walk. Um, so I don't think I don't think you obviously you don't want to repeat any word for word. But I think it makes sense that there's similar themes. Um you know, that sure. you're addressing. Um, and of course we have the, I don't know, we have the problem or the difficulty, um, you know, we, for some reason we get people that come just on Good Friday and they go, you know, another church, you know, it's a beach town sort of thing. So they go out of town or they come in town. And so we don't have the exact same crowds um, and they're much smaller on Good Friday even. So, sure. um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, an, it's an interesting problem to have is how do you, you know, how on one hand, how do you, preach something you know sort of fresh but at the same time like what else is there to say other than what, what you need to say so it's, you know I, was, I always used to tell people if i was hiring someone i would want to listen to their easter sermon and a funeral sermon it's like if you mess these up um yeah, yeah. you know you're really in the wrong job i think i mean if um, you can't show how the stone door on the Jesus's tomb is really about your life's problems and that's right what, what, what's <laughs> your best life now that's what, right how, yeah how can you possibly well, it's really an amazing, I think, vocational affirmation. I'm sure that you guys feel the same way. I, I sort of 
the the preacher's nightmare is that one day you'll read a text and actually not feel like you have anything to say about it. But that hasn't happened. I haven't been quite ordained for as long as you, Matt. But, you know, lots of Holy Weeks, lots of Christmas Eves, all the sort yeah. of the same, the same thing. And yet the Lord continuously provides. I mean, it's the same good news, but, you know. You, you, Man, it happens every once in a while. Like, different. Your church is different. The culture yeah. is happening, and you know, we have things to say. That happens look, every once in a while. Though. I'll be, I'll stick in, I'll sit in front of texts I've preached several times, yeah. many times, and I just, oh, yeah. And then my, I, my, my, my process is I start on Monday. I'll, I'll read the text, pray through it, and I just, have, what, what am I going to possibly say about this thing? And then, and then I'm supposed to be writing my rough drafts on Thursday. And sometimes by then, after I've done all the study and all the work to get ready to write, it's just, it's just, it feels like torture. And, huh. and you, and you, the woman finally, at the well again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you finally get it out and you, you send your draft. I, I do, I don't know about you guys, but I send my draft to Anne. You probably don't send your draft to Anne, but I send my <laughs> draft to Anne. Um, <laughs> and it is funny because I mean, she, she'll usually say, oh, this is great. This is, uh, and I, I had, I mean, in my mind, it was horrific. It was awful. <laughs> Well, and, that's certainly true. I find that the sermons where I feel like, you know, I really nailed this one are the ones where nobody says much of anything after church. It's always the ones where I'm like, oh, I, I sort of missed or, you know, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. That's the one where somebody will always say to me, that meant so much to me. Thank you so much. And it's just the Holy Spirit reminding me that this is, in fact, his yeah. job and not mine. That's right. Yeah, I let Liza look mine over uh, sometimes, sometimes, but I'm usually... I do have a very similar process to you, except I'm usually up at like five o'clock in the morning on Sunday, putting, ah. putting the final, um, well, so is Matt. Yeah. So is Matt. That. Yeah. I yeah. Get, so that's I where, but I don't wake her up. I don't wake her up. Um, <laughs> to, to do that, read right? it before they, no, <laughs> right. I usually have given her, I've given her a bra- basic outline and she tells me something like, I have no idea what you're talking about, or, uh, you know, <laughs> this made no sense, or this looks great, something like this. So, um, which is very helpful. She's, yeah. she's my editor in chief. So my favorite Sundays when I was serving with JD were the ones where he would walk in the front door of the church and I'd say something about how's the sermon this week. And you'd say, well, it's a little speculative. <laughs> <laughs> well, which meant Sometimes, the gospel was going to be preached, but I didn't know quite know how he was going to get. Well, that. that's not. There's just some ideas, sort of, sort of un, un, un fully hatched ideas uh, that I had to get get out. We got there though. We got yep. there. Amen. <laughs> well, let's talk about Holy Week. We have these great three days: the Triduum of Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, the Great Vigil of Easter on Saturday night. Of course, leading up to Easter Sunday. Uh, If our history is any predictor of the future, we're going to say that we're going to talk about all three of these services and then just spend 40 minutes talking about Maundy Thursday and never get any further. But I've got a timer going here, so maybe we'll try to (laughs) we'll try to organize ourselves a little bit better this week and try to talk through what these various services are trying to accomplish throughout Holy Week. So. What's Monday Thursday all about? Guys? Yeah, well, it's not Monday Thursday. Right. Can we just go ahead and get that out of the out of the way? Um, this is the worst Thursday of all. It's Monday. That's Thursday. right. That's, that's right. It's like somebody's got a bad case of the Monday <laughs> Thursdays. That's right. Well, it comes from Mandatum, from the uh, new commandment I gave you. Uh, the Monday uh, is sort of a derivation of the um, of the old Latin. Um, from the beginning of the gospel reading and it was it's you know conversely or it's 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 either and or 
a celebration of the new commandment to, um, you know, love, so I've loved you or uh, the institution of the Lord's supper or both, which is, you can also do with the washing the feet. And um, it's a lot know, was, to do on one service. Yeah, it is a lot. And, and it, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know what you do, Matt, but I, I used to, you know, it had such sort of, I don't want to say legalistic, but I don't know what else you would say when the, the whole literally the elevation <laughs> comes from the mandatum. Um, that uh you know i usually i used to shy away from the 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 mandatum the the mondi aspect of it um and just emphasize the institution of the lord's supper and i've sort of gone back and forth over the years um kind of emphasizing one or the other but um here at christchurch we do the whole thing we try to hit all of the the pieces of it we do the um the foot washing we do the institutional lord's supper we do the stripping the only thing we don't do is a night watch afterwards stripping of the altar right? yeah stripping of the, of the <laughs> table clarify the what's being stripped <laughs> that's right we do this <laughs> that's right um but it's um it's fascinating you know, in, in england they still have what's called the the royal Mondi, which is um where the queen gives uh alms out to um very specifically chosen people from all over the commonwealths um and i know this for a fact because a member of our congregation of vienna was a recipient of it she was a woman from jamaica originally lived in vienna but it's it's has a long history the service does the foot washing the beautiful imagery like uh, franz joseph for instance of the austro-hungarian empire back a uh, very pious man before it was um you know defeated and broken up uh would go and they'd collect you know, 10 to 12 homeless people or people of very, you know, sort of indigent down on their uh, luck. And he would, um, you know, wash their feet in a sign of, of humility. And I think the Pope still does that. And I think I, I've sort of grown as I've gotten older away from the, um, the aversion. I think that's what I would say to it, to at least an appreciation of the symbolism. And, and, and yet I still find that, you know, I, I don't know what a contemporary manifestation of it would be appropriate um to sort of take the place of what foot washing would have been back then but but there you go we still do it and we still uh we, we do we do warn people though so most people come without holes in their socks or um you know giant like a exposed goiter or something <laughs> so, <laughs> i mean i think i think you wash john, your hand don't wash your hand that's right <laughs> i think the john reading helps maybe preacher because because the, the 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 bit where Jesus says what I've done to you you do to each other, you know, comes after the whole exchange with Peter. That's right. Where Peter says, "Oh no, don't wash. You can't. You're not going to wash my feet." And Jesus says, "Well, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me." And Jesus and Peter says, "Oh, give me a bath." And then yeah. Jesus says, "Peter, you're already clean. And since you've already had a bath, I've I've cleansed you. So all you need is is your feet washed." And it, and that's kind of a way of Jesus saying, "You you you are justified. You're 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 my." Mm -hmm you're mine um and so all you need to do is bring uh you need me to wash you on a, on a regular basis for your sanctification but you're justified you're in you don't have any you don't have anything to be you don't have to be totally transformed like uh like um like someone who doesn't believe is so i mean i think that's a, you have the gospel right there and then you can then you can you know then you can go on and talk about okay and because that's true that's why we're washing each other's feet is, Amen. <laughs> yeah sure no, I think there's a good way to there's there's a there's a good way to do it. I think um, it's it's Nick said though there's a lot going on and it's um, but it's very dramatic. Like I'll never forget the first time I was doing this as an ordained person, having um, deep in my appreciation for the communion service. I wouldn't say that I was ever dismissive of it, but I think you know I, I had come through a 
from a tradition that didn't do it very often and into the Anglican church and then was sort of re reacting a little bit to um, kind of the progressive high church people that we'd run into who had a communion service like every four seconds and yet, you know, denied the resurrection of Christ. It's a little bit suspicious of um, getting falling into that uh, trap. And, and I remember, you know, being restored and kind of healed of that by uh, working in the Church of England in Vienna um, and and being tutored by a, a wonderful man who's very faithful um, over the year and leading up into Easter. And then the very first stripping of the altar, I, I remember being confronted first time with the, with the prospect of what if this had never happened? You know, what if Jesus hadn't come? What if uh, we never were able to celebrate the Lord's Supper? What if we didn't have this um, alternative narrative into our world that sort of re reset and refocused everything around uh, death and resurrection, around forgiveness and mercy. And, and it just was a really powerful experience for me, so much so that I remember weeping in the middle, like when I'm taking away the communion elements, because I said this, this, you know, not in and of itself, but this, this uh, remembrance, you know, this, um, this sacrament, this gift that he gave us has become such a powerful, uh, sort of repetitive um, joy for me. And I remember preaching about it. And I, I, I love the pun, as you know, so it was the appeal of Monday Thursday, P-E-A-L, because I likened the communion service to a, to the clapper on a hammer, I mean, uh, on a bell that the Lord, you know, sends into the world to, to strike otherwise cold and, and soundless hearts that then reverberate down, um, you know, out and then down through the ages. And I just have this beautiful picture of that's what we're doing every Sunday is we're, we're when we, when we celebrate communion, we're taking the, you know, or like a gong or symbols, whatever, you, whatever imagery you want to use and, and striking the, the, the faithless and the, the downtrodden once again, with the, with the love of God in Christ. And it was just a really, powerful time for me so ever since then i i really have um have have found maundy thursday to be among the most powerful of the tradeum services because you know it really does open the curtain to a three-day uh drama as it were not to be too um get, get too far afield with that type of language but nevertheless um i'm always up reached for my holsters too when people start talking about the grand narratives and the dramas <laughs> and the stars all the world's a stage Jenny. that's right um but I, uh, but I do love, I do love that service, and I'm grateful for um, the sort of rich liturgical tradition that we've been, we've inherited that um, that that does pack a lot into a small, small, um, relatively short time. But do you all do a, so? Do you all do a watch? I mean, that was. Does, do you do a, a watch afterwards, or is that? Um, that's just one hour too, one hour too many for you to stay awake and pray. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, could you not stay awake with me one well, hour? I could not stay awake within <laughs> one hour. No, we just, it's, our, you know, Holy Book is such a, I don't know if you guys, what, if you do all of the things, but we do all of the things. So the next day is Good Friday, which means the hours. And then we have the Stations of the Cross that evening. And, it, and then the next day is the Great Vigil. And so it's like just such a, and we had Tenebrae the night before. On Wednesday, we have, Tenebrae begins on Wednesday. The Holy Week officially for us begins on Wednesday with Tenebrae. So everyone's exhausted. And if we told everyone, oh, we're having a, <laughs> we're having a vigil now. Um, yeah. We just. That is a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. Yeah. Um, I think we did it one year, but we haven't done. I like it. I think, I think you're right. I think it's one of those ones where if, if you were going to, you know, you could put in a tenebrae. Just, to be, and just a to be clear to our listener, we're now talking about a night watch post Monday Thursday 
to remember Jesus's disciples inability to stay awake. We're right. not talking about the vigil of Easter on Saturday night. That's a different thing. That's right. Right. And where we sing that's very songs. high church of you, Nick. <laughs> you know, all these things. Nick. Yeah, that's right. Nick is well, our, I was, a resident liturgical expert. That's right. It's great. That's yeah. right. I always to, in order swimming. to reject something, you have to know it. Right? That's well, when we were serving together in Louisville, I, I always thought it was, I don't know, funny is not the right word, but we did our night watch on th- Thursday night after the Monday Thursday service, and we intentionally did it for an hour and one minute, right? So we we did, in fact, stay up for the hour, implying somehow <laughs> that if we'd been in the garden that night, we would have not fallen asleep, which, of course, is That's awesome. Not, I mean, for these days, I would definitely fall asleep because yeah. I'm in bed by like 9 15 yeah. every yeah. night. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm out. That's right. Uh, so, so Matt, let's make the transition now from Thursday night into the day on Friday. You have referenced the hours and stations of the cross. What do you mean by the hours? What are you talking about there? So, usually it depends on the church, but um, like 60 minutes or so. <laughs> the hours are uh, usually the begin at noon and they go until three, which is, you know, if you remember, if you read the gospels, you know, that Jesus, the, the dark, the darkness fell on Jerusalem at noon right. around about time called be- the hours simply because that's how they're referred to in the, the, the scriptures as about the sixth hour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The, the, uh, so it's around noon that darkness falls in Jerusalem. Jesus has been on the cross already three hours beforehand, but at noon darkness falls and it, it remains dark until uh, 3 p.m. our time uh, around. So you, again, times can be precise in the first century, but that's around, around sure. <laughs> about how long it was. And so the church traditionally gathers for those, for those hours and prays. There's a set liturgy for the hours. And uh, sometimes it depends on the church you have. I remember one church I was I was attending, you'd have a sermon every hour. Uh, so you'd have a, a little liturgy, you'd have a, a sermon and quiet for prayer, and then a little liturgy sermon and readings and quiet for prayer uh, three times. And then um, and that marked the end of the, the celebration of the hours. So then... Uh, yeah, a good shepherd. We do, we do one hour. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say. So, so, did you rename it the hour, or is it still yeah, the, the hour? Hours? The hour. That's right. Like, right. Uh, but we're not big enough. You know, we if we did three hours, we wouldn't have anybody there. So, so it just it depends on the size of the church. Yeah. When I was interning at Falls Church, they did the hours, and there was always somebody in the in the sanctuary for right. every all three of the hours. Sort so, of like an open house. Yeah, yeah. People come in, come out. All right. Okay. Yeah, we do. Um, we do a one hour, um, seven last words also, um, but we do, uh, which is relatively new here for us, I think. I mean, we kind of brought it over from where we were in Louisville, which was a neat thing. I mean, because people, does Louisville still get Good Friday off? Is it still like a, like a, lot a of, city holiday? A lot of things are open half day. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, but we do a normal Good Friday um you know, twelve ten to try to get people at lunch breaks, and then we do um, an hour. I guess <laughs> we do the hours <laughs> and at five thirty. Uh, but we have seven reflections, and it gives an opportunity for different voices. We get, I think, um, Ted and I do two of them, and then we have a deacon and um, a canon who are assigned to us that uh, preach also. So we're the kind of the 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 preaching voices are heard, you know, in five to seven minute increments. So it's neat. It's a it's a 
I think it's a nice addition, uh, more reflective, more um, kind of devotional time, you know, just another addition to, to the weekend, which is, um, which is something that we don't, I mean, we need in part because we don't do the vigil. I mean, I have done the visual before with the new flame and uh, scarring the candle. Now, hold on, we're not assessing. there yet. We're not doing we <laughs> tease the vigil, but we're still on Friday. Sorry. It's all right. It's all right. So Matt, what's the other than historical remembrance, what is the liturgical reason for observing the stations of the cross? Okay, so there's different versions of the stations. And of course, we don't traditionally it was interesting it was believed that the stations marked certain places along the via dolorosa um well when you go were, to jerusalem were, you can see these places. right right um, and there were uh, the the way that jesus the pathway that jesus walked from uh the place of the trial to uh to the place where he was crucified um and it may or may not have been the, the route we don't you know maybe good reason for blaming it so but there are you know there's some kind of traditional accretions he fell once he fell twice and then the uh fell, i think four, four falls and then the ladies of jerusalem wiping his his face with the towel and then oh look his image is there on the towel that's the traditional roman catholic way of, of, of doing the stations we don't do that we use uh, we use a grape form. juice. No, no, no. <laughs> I just got all sorts juice. of funny jokes today. <laughs> there is a form that is you replace the the kind of traditional four how many falls there are, and the you replace it with biblical biblical passages of on the of the passion. So all the way to through to his death and burial, with each each station is another another actual biblical text that's read um, in our in our church ending with his burial and the reason we do that is because we don't have a, a, a holy saturday service so um we want to commemorate his burial as well as his, his death and the, and the stations ends there with him in the tomb um and you're ready for and then you're ready for great their great vigil um so so it's traditionally a way of walking with jesus through the the down the road to his to his crucifixion and that we, we we i think we've retained that tradition that idea that we just don't use some of the traditional prayers which were kind of some some of them depending on where you get they're kind of corny and it's kind of, it's kind of weird but this, these there's there's new forms out there which use a lot of scripture which are just inundated with scripture um and i found very helpful would you say that it's just a liturgical way of attempting to bring the congregation into a place of recognizance almost of jesus's command to take up your cross yeah. and follow me like li literally trace the steps that i right. took read the things that happened to me and understand what i went through for you exactly a lot, a lot of churches have uh stations along the wall so right. uh, and they'll invite parishioners who are there for the station of the cross to walk from station to station following um the priests and the acolytes uh we do that we'll have it's a it's ours is a candlelight service everyone will be carrying candles um around the church which is dark by then um as we read the read the scriptures pray and uh yeah it, it's a it's a way of it's a way of not just remembering uh, cognitively or intellectually but also just kind of setting yourself into the into that space um with christ as he dies for us so for us. you're doing this on friday afternoon 
this is no this is friday this is evening it's 7 30 evening okay yeah so it's dark we want to make sure it's dark before we start because we're doing with we're doing with candlelight so is this in place of the prayer book good friday liturgy or is it after is it before we, we actually do the good friday liturgy at noon with uh, oh, okay. the hours right okay. right right okay so, yeah I just didn't want to skip over the actual prayer book. Good Friday service is so yeah, that's wonderful. Right. Some people do that in the evening. We do it. Yeah, we do it. We do it. We incorporate that into the hours stuff. So it has that wonderful petition at the end where we ask the Lord to set Christ's life, passion, life, and great. passion between His judgment and our souls which I could just say, you know, every day for yeah, the rest yeah. of my life and, and probably will. And one of the things that I'm, I'm sure is very manifest in your church as you do that candlelit stations of the cross is the, even as powerful as the reading of the passion is, it's kind of possible to let it sort of wash over you, which is sort of the point. But when you're walking from one place to another and stopping one of the things that, that I said to my church on Palm Sunday, as I sort of prepared them for what we were going to do on Friday, I said, we're going to, we're going to look at the cross and not look away. Mm. And I feel like that's, that's what these sort of slowing down on Friday and sort of refusing to do what our human nature desperately wants to do, which is to look away from the cross and hop over it and get to Easter as quickly as we can. And we're just going to stop and we're going to stare at this thing that is completely foreign to our experience and yet completely necessary for our salvation. Well, it's fun day Friday. No one likes to be put on a downer on Friday. My goodness. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of those things where, you know, I think the rest of the world does look at us askance. I hopefully, hopefully they do anyway, because, because we are, we are, taking a weekend, which for most people is party time, you know, it's a you relax, rest, it's me time. It's my, my, and we're devoting it wholly to worship. And, and so it is something that's strange. It's something that people wouldn't do if they didn't, if they weren't already. Um, well, there, I guess there's two reasons you do it, but the, the best reason to do it, of course, is that you're, you've been brought into the, the kingdom of God and you've been transferred from darkness to light. And so, and so the, you're, you're celebrating, you, you really are celebrating. You're having a, you're having a fun, yeah. <laughs> quote unquote, fun, <laughs> fun weekend. I guess the other reason, and this is why people did refuse this. I think the second reason why people might do it, and this is why people often don't do it. Uh, Christians often don't do it is because they associate it with like the medieval, a medieval practice that will bring about some kind of merit for you. So, yeah. so people participate in these liturgies because they think they're going to get something from God. Um, and I do think that that can creep in if we're not careful, if we're not preaching the gospel really carefully throughout the whole year, then you come to Holy week and yeah, sure. people are going to be thinking, we're going to do the stations of the cross on our knees this year. Right. It's sprinkle <laughs> so glass. If on we the can floor be bloody the at the end of the stations, then <laughs> right. we're great. Yeah, no. So, so hope, so hopefully, I mean, if you're preaching the gospel through the year, your people know, Oh no, this is, this is, this is remembrancing Thanksgiving. It's, it's kind of Eucharistic without the Eucharist uh, because you're, you're remembering what God has done through Jesus to save you already. <laughs> not, yeah. you, not what you do to be saved. And you made a distinction before Matt, between a holy saturday service and a great vigil of easter both of these these things happen on saturday what's the the distinction there the holy saturday service focuses on jesus burial uh, a lot of people see the, the the saturday rest 
of Jesus in the tomb as fulfilling the Sabbath rests for for the people of God that he his 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 not his his remaining in the tomb for that day fulfilled the Sabbath for us fulfilled the Sabbath law for us and rising to life in the on the first day of the week of course then reset the the, the Christian calendar the calendar of the people of God but. Uh, either way, it's a, it's a celebration of his burial, and and and, and it's in, you go back to First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Uh, Paul is very he he when he's going through the gospel that he passed on to the Corinthians that he wants them to remember and is by which they're being saved. Uh, it includes his burial. Jesus is buried for you, um, and that's important to recognize because it because it emphasizes that he is actually dead. He 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 didn't swoon. Um, he didn't have a you know like a a blackout didn't go unconscious yeah. he was he died and was buried because everybody knew he was dead everybody around him nicodemus uh, and uh and joseph arimathea who took him down off the cross the centurion the people who stabbed him in the side everyone knew he was dead and so what do you do with dead people you bury him and uh in just in in jesus's case he was buried in a new tomb that was carved out for joseph arimathea um and uh his his going through the fullness of death in a way that nobody else, even outside of Christ, I don't think ever has to undergo because he underwent death for all of us. He went to, he underwent death in a, in a, in a magnitude that's beyond what any individual has to go through. And then the die, the, the being laid in a tomb, he plunders it. He, he I guess is the way some some of the fathers would talk, would talk about it. His 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 being in the tomb for that day is is the prelude to his plundering it. He's taking all that death is and robbing it, and coming out on the other side. Um, yeah, the, the heroine of hell. Yeah, 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 old yeah. iconography. Right, talk right. About you know the yeah no that's I've never actually participated in a Holy Saturday service, um, so I would be interested in attending one at some point, but. Um, but yeah, that's never been a part of any of the churches that I've served. But it sounds... JD, why don't you tell us about the <clears throat> vigil? Well, I don't do. <clears throat> I've only done a vigil uh, years ago back in Vienna, but it was a pretty significant part of um, their service. And I don't know how y'all do yours, Matt, but we, um, you know, started out in the garden and had the, um, you know, the the Paschal candle which was arrested, you know, symbolically and then scarred and beaten and cracked and all the things. Oh, and then we process, yeah. it was kind of cool. I actually still have that. It's like one of my, my um, souvenirs from, from Vienna. It was the first, um, the first Easter that I was, that I was ordained um, as a priest. And then I kept some of the, the, the um, swag from that, uh, <laughs> from that Easter. <laughs> but um, so you're talking I thought about it was pre-dawn Sunday morning. No, no, this was actually uh probably about nine o'clock at night. And so it went okay. through to midnight. And so they had to, they kept it dark. And then we did the readings and we did all the, the you know, it was a, a Church of England Book of Common Worship service. So I don't know how similar I'd have to go look at it is to what we have to um, celebrate, but I'm fairly certain it's it at least follows a similar pattern. But we, um, you know, had the readings, had a homily, had, um, it was dark until until midnight. And then the new day came and all the lights came on and the organ pops up and everyone, you know, says Christe Anesti, you know, Lithios Anesti, you know, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. And we, we, um, it was powerful. I thought, uh, the only negative again, not that you can 
I, mean, I feel sort of silly talking about negatives and positives with respect to, you know, divine liturgies, as the Orthodox would say. But nevertheless, it was the principal Easter service. And so Easter morning, you know, if that had been what you had been used to kind of having the, the, the most energy, the most attendance for that matter, at least for this particular church, um, that was not the case. So our largest and most um, sort of dramatic uh, investment of time and, and energy was at the vigil. And then Easter morning uh, felt, you know, with, with a little bit more flowers than normal, but not unlike a, like a really nice um, Sunday service. And so, you know, I think that's always, I don't know how you feel, Matt, but I, or Nick, but I think um, that's, that's just a practical consideration that you have to um, take into account. Um, just, you know, where are you going to put your, where, where do you want to actually have Easter most dramatically celebrated? And I don't think it's a right or wrong issue necessarily, but I think that they do, um, I don't want to say compete, but I think it's a, it's asking a lot of people. I mean, you're already asking a lot of people, Matt. Um, but it's asking a lot to to celebrate Easter like four times in a row, you know, <laughs> for like a 36 hour period is just it's just a lot. But I don't know. I mean, how do you how do you see it, Matt? What do y'all do? Of course, it's like oh. 40 below zero still where you live. So um, <laughs> yeah, so there's no like garden scene for us. That's right. It's usually still sometimes it's still snowing. If it's if it's March, yeah, there's still snow in the ground. So uh, this this Easter it's late, so that's good. But um, so we start inside and we start with a big explosion. I think a big fire pot and uh, when is this? Um, this is like eight o'clock at night. As soon as as soon as it's dark, Saturday as as night. Dark. Yep, Saturday okay. night. That's the beginning of Easter for our, from our, according to us, we, we have the, we have this fire pot and my former assistant, who's now moved down South to be a teacher concocted this, he was good with chemistry. He concocted this stuff. Like you just put it in the bottom of the fire pot and you light it and it just it blows right. up, but there's no, like, there's no fumes. There's no Greek like, fire. That's oh right. man. It's just <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. And so, there, and so we do that. That, and we light the Paschal candle from that. We say prayers over the fire, of course. It's a, it's a Paschal fire. Yeah. Right. Um, not, not a pagan fire. That's right. It sounds, it, sounds very, it sounds very Christian. Right. It's totally Christian. And it then sounds we light Christian. The, <laughs> and then we light the and Paschal then we invoke, candle. And then we invoke the spirit of our ancestors. And right. then... <laughs> <laughs> that's but the, 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 the big fire has been like a draw for that service so we, we started, yeah, I bet it is that's right yeah because we started like we, it wasn't going on when we first got to good shepherd we actually introduced that one that had been going on for a long time ago but good shepherd hadn't been done for we introduced it and the only way to get people to come was to talk about the big fire and it's like all like the teenagers would come and they got their parents and we so we got like the younger people to come to see the fire in the church and you anyway, have yeah. cracked Matt Kennedy has yeah. cracked the missional seal of the, right. uh, of the <laughs> how to get the young young secret cult. sensitive fire. That's right. Right. <laughs> you have to have an Asherah pole with a giant <laughs> pagan fire in the middle of the church. That's good. I like it. <laughs> we just we just need a smoke machine. That'd be good. That's um, right. <laughs> so, Sorry, I don't mean to mock uh, you. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's a long service though. It starts like it eight and it goes on till 10 30 or so it's a very long service you but do you not have a paschal candle that you like you know you hammer the nails into and everything no well cool. we okay so we used to have a, a nice paschal candle that we had to we, we the the episcopal church stole from us so we have we have the, the roman catholic paschal candle that was given to us in the church we bought which doesn't have any of the spy any of the things to hammer into it so we kind of did away with that so we just we just light the candle right yeah. um yeah and we uh 
but it's very it's like the most ornate if you it's the most ornate service you have incense we have all the all the bells and smells are pulled out for the the, the vigil and usually you know the, there's a difference between the vigil and easter morning because you're not the focus in the vigil is more at least seems to be the way the service is constructed seems to be more focused on okay the early dawn hours with the women coming to the tomb and and it's the, the scope of salvation history right yeah yeah you can yeah, it's read. like lessons and carols but for easter i mean exactly like the readings, right? you have six readings and then but that's not even the start of the actual eucharistic service that's just the, that's just the prelude um and then you and then at the end of the last reading you have the three he's risen our leader christ is risen um in increasing volume and then all the lights which in our church anyway are off this is all in candlelight six readings in candlelight procession in candlelight uh, but at the last Ali has risen, all the lights come on and you have a regular Eucharistic service with a sermon and everything, mm. which this is very short. So I don't preach that service. So because <laughs> you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't restrain yourself. No, 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 no. So, so well, yeah, I, think, so. I do think the Easter vigil can be beautiful and meaningful. I think the, the problem I have with it is people who feel obligated to do it, who don't have either the resources or the, the critical mass to pull it off. Um, it can be it can really miss, um, you know, in a way that, that a similarly staffed, um, just good Easter morning service uh, doesn't, uh, generally speaking. And so I think that's just a caution that I would bring um, to anyone considering it, um, is that, you know, seeing it done really, really well, like it sounds like you're, you're describing where the whole church is involved and it's considered to be one of the highlights of the, of the year, well, then you can um, you can pull out all the bells and whistles and make it happen. But if it's if it's sort of uh, competing with something already existent on Easter morning and you have kind of a half subscription to it, then it's not going to, um, you know, well, it's just going to be much more difficult, I should say, because uh, that's yeah. that's always been in all the churches where I've had the opportunity to introduce it. Um, it's always been met with, you know, sort of quizzical looks uh, thus far. And, you know, my suggestion to people was if you if you really want to if you really want to introduce it, then go find some churches that do it well, you know, take like a field trip uh, with a couple of people and start building up some energy. And then three, five years from now, we could talk um, where if there's an actual kind of groundswell for this type of investment of time and energy, well, then praise God. I mean, I'm happy to. You know, longer church services are fine with me. You know, it's just I haven't always. It's great, except for the fact that Easter is the next morning, right? And so if you have two services on Easter morning, and you have to get up at like I have to get up or three. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was a child at the Falls Church in Virginia, there was I don't know exactly you know if they did anything on Saturday night, but I know what they did do was a pre-dawn service on Easter morning in the church graveyard. So we would, we would congregate there. And I think they would even try to time the service so that at that appropriate moment toward the end of it, it, the sun was actually starting to rise in the graveyard. And then I believe we would process from the graveyard into the sanctuary for the Eucharistic part of the service. So it was, yeah, if you can time it. And again, if you have the critical mass, which the false church certainly did, that's a way to do it as a vigil, but also on Easter morning, sort of leading into a regular Easter morning worship service, which is really yeah. cool. I like that. Yeah, see, because I think the vigil's focus is like more dawn and Easter day's focus is on is day. So you, dawn and day. 
And, and I, there's the theological, liturgical themes can fit those two things. And so people who come to both, and there are people who come to both from our church, they'll, they'll come to yeah. vigil and come for Easter service, but, but most people come to one or the other. Uh, but if you were to come to both, it would have a, it would have a full story. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be just repeating right. Easter morning at the great vigil. It would be, it would be dawn day kind of thing. Was there anything else you guys want to say about Holy Week? By the time folks are listening to this, it will be Friday morning. So they will have, I'm sure, attended their local Anglican church for Monday, Thursday worship. Yeah. Okay. So Monday, Easter Monday, your priest is going to be exhausted. <laughs> don't <laughs> so, call. <laughs> so don't call him. I'm like, let, let, we, we have the three Ds. Maybe it's, maybe it's not D for everyone, but unless you're dying, divorced, Okay, there's not a deep for this movie, or incarcerated. Don't call, don't call, don't, don't call your priest. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I know your thing is really important, but you know, he's 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 exhausted and he needs needs to be with his family for the next week. So give him give him a break after that, because that holy week really does kill you. It you know, Sunday, Ray, I mean you guys probably you can probably attest to this, but just coming home on Sunday after preaching. I don't know if you have two services or one, but just preaching one service and leading leading the worship and then talking to people, which is fine. But you come home and you're just you're spent mm-hmm. after just a Sunday. So this is like this is like three or four Sundays in a row, like stacked up next to each other. So emotionally, spiritually, physically, your pastor is going to be just burnt out. So unless you're again dying divorcing or in, in jail <laughs> and you need to be a little far, further down the line on divorcing than just right 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 not, not just hey you're arguing over the cat it needs to be an acute an acute uh onset of divorce <laughs> right 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 <laughs> i'm sure matt would agree i think that we all would that despite the truth of what you've said this this week really is why we do this we 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 love this week we love preaching this week we love ministering for this week it is exhausting but it's why we do it amen absolutely well i do wish you guys a blessed holy week thank you for listening you all out there in podcast land uh your holy week too we are going to call it quits for this week uh as usual you can keep the conversation going with us you can be in touch rating and reviewing the podcast on itunes you can email us at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com or join the anglicans for the gospel facebook group thanks for listening have a great holy week thanks to matt kennedy and to jd coke i'm nick lannon and lord willing we'll be back next week until then by the grace of god and jesus christ we'll be standing firm 